Good morning. Welcome to South Bay Community Church. Glad you could be here with us this morning, especially if you're new. We want to welcome you guys. Um, thanks for being here this morning, joining us. Uh, if you are new, we're in the series called Engage. And this is really about how do we engage our faith? How do we be active about our faith? And last week, if you were here, our, our pastor, Pastor Gary, uh, taught about prayer, engaging in prayer, and what it looks like, what happens when we go to God in prayer. Well, today I want to talk about engaging in prayer as well, and I'm going to take it from a, a different angle this morning, and I want to talk specifically about what happens when we pray for each other, when we engage with each other by engaging in prayer. So I want to pray for us, and then we'll get into the message. Would you guys join me in a word of prayer? Father God, we, we just want to come before you this morning. Lord, with all the things on our hearts and all the things on our minds, with all the things that can distract us or hinder us from really experiencing your Holy Spirit and the truth you want to pour out to us, Lord, we pray that you would show yourself to be greater than those things. Help us to just be fully present, fully aware of your presence. And God, I pray that you would be our teacher this morning. I pray that you would allow us as a church to continue to grow deeper in your word and your truth so that we would be followers of Christ who truly engage with our faith and engage with the God of this universe. So Lord, I pray that as we talk today about prayer, I pray that you would really continue to form our perspective through the lens of scripture, that you would continue to shape the way we view prayer. And I pray that today it, it, would, it would really be a, Lord, Lord I, I just pray that you would help us to um, really be able to see scripture through a fresh lens, Lord, that we would be able to um, hear something that we've talked about so much before, but Lord, we'd hear it with fresh ears, God. So Lord, we, we just want to give you our hearts and our ears. We give you our mind and attention, Lord. And so Lord, would you take this time and make it yours? And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Have you guys ever thought about what the craziest job on earth would be? What the craziest jobs are? I, I actually came across a list uh, this past week of some of the craziest jobs in the world. And I, and I thought so, some of these jobs would fit you guys pretty well. And so I wanted to share some of these with you guys. Some of you guys are pretty pushy people. And if you are a pushy person, then you need to pack your bags and you need to move to Japan and become a professional pusher, known as Oshia. I don't know if you guys know, but this really exists where in Tokyo during busy traffic hour and everybody's trying to get on the trains, literally these people are hired, they're employed to push people into the train, shoving them into the trains. This is a real job, Oshia. Some of you guys love to stick your nose in other people's business. I got a job for you. You guys can be professional deodorant smellers, okay? Like, these people literally get paid to stick their nose in people's business. They test the effectiveness and the power of deodorants. I've heard of other jobs. Maybe you guys have heard of like professional mourners at funerals or maybe you've heard of hired bridesmaids. In Japan now, they have rental boyfriends real jobs, uh, but this one takes the cake, okay? I, I, I just found out about the, this this week, but you could be a professional cuddler. 
This is a real job. You could be a certified professional cuddler. There are these companies out there, right now they're represented in 30 of the 50 US states, where you can hire a cuddler to come and cuddle with you. And there's a whole science behind this. They say this is a real form of therapy, and they have all these strict guidelines and rules to make sure it's totally safe and strictly platonic. But if you become a professional cuddler, you can get paid up to $80 an hour. $80 an hour just to cuddle with somebody. Now, <laughs> I just want to say, if, there, if there's anyone in here who is so desperate to cuddle with someone that you'd be willing to pay $80 an hour, I just want to say, I will cuddle with you, okay? <laughs> For half that price, half that price. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not, that's awkward. I'm not cuddling with you. Like, but, but that's a real job. That is a real job. There are crazy jobs in this world, and sometimes they're crazy because they are dangerous. Sometimes they're crazy because they're risky. Sometimes they're crazy because they're disgusting. Sometimes they're crazy because they're just weird. But I came across this job in the Bible as I was reading the scriptures this week. There's this crazy job that I never realized how crazy it was until I stopped to think about it. And this job is crazy because it's, it's terrifying. It, it was the job of the Old Testament priests. The job of the priests was a terrifying job. I, let me show you why. I want to try to set this up for you guys. Because in the Bible, the, the job of the priest was to represent people before a holy God. Right? I, everyone needs forgiveness. Amen. Everyone needs forgiveness, but back then in the Bible times, forgiveness and receiving mercy wasn't a DIY project. It wasn't something you could just go and do it yourself. Like you had to have somebody represent you because you and your sinful self was way too sinful to approach a holy, holy God. And so the job of the priest, he was anointed and chosen by God to represent people to him, but because priests are humans just like us and they need to be cleansed and forgiven, they would first have to deal with their own sins and be cleansed and forgiven themselves before they can go and represent other people. But that was their job. So just to give you some um, insight as to what, how, how this went down, I want to show you a picture of the tabernacle in the Old Testament. The tabernacle is pretty much the, uh, the travel version of the temple. This is when they were traveling in the desert for 40 years in the wilderness um, during that exodus before they got to Israel. But when they got to Israel, they built the, the permanent temple, Solomon's temple. Then when that was destroyed, they built, um, they built Herod's temple. But, but all these temples and tabernacles had the same setup in the sense that here you have, within these walls, you have the outer courts. That's what they would call them. And so in the outer courts, the Levites and the priests would be able to go there and, and minister there. And so you go into these inner courts and Levites and priests go there. But the, as you head toward the tent you see over there, that is called the holy place. And it's called the holy place because it was set apart. It was set apart so only priests could go in there. And there were multiple priests in that day. So multiple priests um, could go in there as long as you were a priest. But inside of the holy place... There was an innermost chamber, and that innermost chamber was called the most holy place. It was called the Holy of Holies. And that wasn't allowed for any Levites or any priest except one, the high priest. 
And the high priest could only go in there one time per year. And that was on the Day of Atonement, known as Yom Kippur. Some of your jobs and some of your schools observe Yom Kippur. But that was the day where the high priest would go into the innermost chamber, that Holy of Holies, and he would make sacrifices on behalf of the entire nation of Israel. But it was so holy there in the, that innermost chamber, the Holy of Holies, it was, it, it was the Ark of the Covenant. So I want to show you a picture of the Ark of the Covenant. And this was a holy uh, piece of Israel because inside was the tablets that Moses wrote the commandments on inside the Ark of the Covenant. And then on top of the Ark of the Covenant was what they called the mercy seat. And on top of the mercy seat, God said his presence will dwell. So we know that on one hand, God is omnipresent, right? He's everywhere at all times. He, he, he's, he's the God of this universe. And yet specifically, he said, this will be where I will dwell amongst my people here on earth. In other words, this mercy seat is, is the throne of God here on earth. His manifest presence, the Shekinah glory of God was believed to dwell here on the mercy seat in the Holy of Holies. And so when the high priest one time a year would go in to make atonement for the sins of Israel, for sure he would have to cleanse himself and he would have to be forgiven himself. And then he would go in and he would, he, he would wave the smoke of incense. The Bible says in the book of Leviticus that it would be kind of like a smoke screen to, to shield him from the presence of God. Because God was so holy. And here in the Holy of Holies, it says that there's this thick veil this thick veil that would separate the holiness of God from the outer courts and from the holy place and from the whole community of Israel. It was so holy, right, that there's this Jewish tradition, maybe you guys have heard about this, where the high priest, when he went in that one time per year, he would have to have a rope tied around him and he would have bells attached to him just in case for some reason he got struck down and he died right there in the Holy of Holies. No one dared to go in unauthorized. And if they didn't hear any bells ringing and that high priest wasn't coming out, no one would dare go in, so they would use that rope to to drag him out because it was so holy. That's just a Jewish tradition. It's not written in the scriptures, but that's that's just to show how holy the Jewish people viewed that presence of God. Now, with that being said, Turn with me to Leviticus chapter 10. Leviticus chapter 10, I want to show you one of the first um, stories of, of these priests in action. In Leviticus chapter 10, we learn that Aaron was the first high priest, and his sons, Nadab and Abihu, which were his oldest sons, were also priests. L- look what happens when Nadab and Abihu go to work. Verse 1 and 2 says this. Now Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his censer and put fire in it and laid incense on it and offered unauthorized fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. And the fire came out from before the Lord and consumed them, and they died before the Lord. Pause right there. What just happened? They died died, they, they were consumed by the fire just because they did it wrong? Basically what happened was because they disobeyed his command to use only fire from a particular source, which was the brazen altar, they used some unauthorized fire, the Bible calls that strange fire, and, and, 
apparently it was an irreverent act, and so the Lord allowed them to be consumed by fire. And right there, they fell over and died. Now, some of us would read an Old Testament story like this and say, man, doesn't that make God look bad? Doesn't that make God look mean? And I would say, no, that makes God look holy. That makes God holy. And what he was showing for the generation of priests to come, and he was showing the nation of Israel just how holy his presence was. That he was not to be taken lightly. In fact, the next verse, verse 3, Moses then said to Aaron, this is what the Lord has said. Among those who are near me, I will be sanctified, meaning I will be proved holy, and before all the people, I will be glorified, meaning I will be shown honorable, and Aaron held his peace. Among those who draw near, among the priests, I will be sanctified, I will show them I am holy, and amongst the people, in front of the people, I will be honored. And so what God was doing was he was setting a precedence through Nadab and Abihu's example, that he is a holy God, that he really is the holy of holies. And so when you hear a story like this and you think about the role of the priest, that is a crazy, terrifying job, a job where you could literally lose your life if you do it wrong. God is that holy. And yet as terrifying of a job it is, when you stop to think about it, what a significant, what a weighty, what a life-giving job. Because as great as the risk is, what was your job essentially? Your job essentially was to bring people before the throne of God. Like you had this privilege of helping people in their most desperate need, right? Them needing forgiveness of sins, and you got to be the one to bring them to the Holy of Holies so that they would receive mercy from the one, the only one who could show mercy for their wrongs. You were, you were responsible for bringing people to the throne of grace so that they can receive grace for their lives and receive help from the only one in this universe who could truly help them. And when you think about that, that is a, an amazing privilege. As terrifying as the job may be, essentially what you're doing is you're in the business of helping people experience a second chance, experience forgiveness, experience a fresh new start, experience the abundance of life. Now we know that it was never ending and the priest would have to constantly, constantly go to work so that people can receive mercy and forgiveness. But that was a crazy, terrifying job, yet it was an incredibly blessed job, the job of the Old Testament priest. Now, why, why do I talk about this job in the Old Testament? Well, I want to show you what happens in the New Testament. Because in the New Testament, we, we get to the New Testament, and do you guys remember what happened that moment when Christ died on the cross, and he breathed out his last breath? What, what happened at, at the location of the Holy of Holies? You guys remember what happened? The veil. the veil was torn, right? And it says the veil was torn. As soon as Christ breathed out his last breath, the veil of the Holy of Holies was torn, not from bottom to top as if man were doing it, but it says clearly from top to bottom because God was doing it. When that sacrifice was made once and for all, Christ made a way for us to have access, direct access to the Holy of Holies. 
God was, was showing us this was a physical manifestation of a spiritual reality. We now have, through the grace and the sacrifice of Christ, we have direct access to God himself. We have direct access to God himself. And because of what Christ has done on the cross, check this out about your new identity, your new job. 1 Peter 2.9 says this, but you, you who believe, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. Circle that phrase, a royal priesthood. A holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Revelation chapter one, verse five and six says this, to him who loves us and freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priest to his God and Father. Circle that word priest, to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever, amen. You guys realize what we just read here? The, the word of God, God's very breath is calling you who believe in Jesus Christ, you are priests. You are a royal priesthood. And yes, you did walk into a Christian church. This is not a Jewish synagogue or a Catholic church. This is a Christian church. And yet, yet we're talking about priests. Who's the priest? You're the priest. You are the royal priesthood. Why? Well, well, it's symbolic in that you have direct access to the throne of God. You have direct, direct access to the Holy of Holies. But not just that. The implication here is you have a new job. You have a ministry that's been given to you as his royal priesthood. You have this job of bringing people before the throne of grace that you can, can take people in, in their needs for forgiveness and mercy or their needs of grace or help, and you can bring them before the throne. Look what Hebrews chapter four, verse 16 says. This is because of what Christ has done. It says, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy, circle mercy, and find grace, circle grace, to help in time of need. Circle that word help. We have this confidence now. We don't have to be terrified. We're not gonna be struck down, but we can approach the throne of grace, the holy of holies, to receive mercy, to find grace, and to have help in time of need. Like church, do you realize who you know? Do you know who you know personally? People will tell you in life that matters, who you know. My sister, she, uh, she has two autoimmune disease, um, diseases, and so she's limited in her diet, what she can eat and what she can't, and she was telling me that she was looking for snacks, healthy snacks that, that are AIP, autoimmune protocol compliant. I don't even know what that means. She said, but, but, but there's certain snacks I can and can't eat, and there's not very many snacks out there that are AIP compliant. She says, there's this one company that is, they sell them at Whole Foods, but it's just really expensive. She's like, I can't even afford it. But it's like one of the few companies, and it's this company called Sea Snacks. And uh, if you go on their website, they're wildly successful based on how many stores they're distributed across uh, the U.S. and globally and all the Whole Foods and all these um, nutrition stores. And we all know healthy food isn't cheap. Healthy food is expensive, right? So she told me this is one of the few companies that, 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 that make it, but 
It's too expensive for me. This past year, I was, uh, I was teaching a perspectives class in, in Anaheim. This is a, it's a missions class. And I was talking about how we are blessed to be a blessing. That God blesses us to bless others. And after that, that, that lesson, uh, a lady in the class came up to me and was talking about how that lesson was relating to what she did. I said, what do you do? Well, she, she leaned, leaned in and quietly said, well, I, I own a company. I don't tell a lot of people this, but it's a healthy snack company. She goes, have you heard of Sea Snacks? Right? <laughs> so when I realized who I knew and I realized my sister has this need, I didn't go to the Whole Foods store clerk. I didn't go to the store manager of Whole Foods. I didn't go to the sales rep at the C-Snacks headquarters. I went straight to the top. I went straight to the CEO, the chief eating officer, (laughs) according to the website, that's who she is. She's the one who founded this, and I connected my sister with her. And I've been overwhelmed to know her, the one who started this company. She's been so gracious and generous. I'll never forget that day I walk into my office and there's this huge box addressed in my name, open it, and it's snacks upon snacks upon snacks. And I took that to my sister and my sister-in-law. I said, take as much as you want. I know the person on top. And I was able to go straight to her. Church, do you know who you know? You know the one on top. You know the one on top of the universe who holds the universe in his hands. You know the one who sits upon the mercy seat. You know the king of kings. You know the Lord of lords. You know the holy of holies. That's who you know. And you have this amazing privilege to go directly to him. And when there are people in need, you can bring them right to the throne of grace. When you pray for each other, I pray that you, you don't take that lightly, that you understand the magnitude of what's going on. When you are praying for a brother or praying for a sister or praying for someone in need, you are laying them at the feet of the throne of grace. That's what's going on. The Bible tells us in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, It's a command for all believers. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people. Those are all different forms of prayers. I was reading this on Friday, and I I just noticed something. That's actually an acronym, SPIT, right? Supplication, (laughs) prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving, right? Because when you pray, what are you doing? You are spit. Spitting in the face of Satan, you're spitting in the face of sin, you're spitting in the face of suffering, you're spitting in the face of sickness, and you are telling the God of this age, the devil, that I know the God of this universe. And whatever you're doing to me to try to hold me down and get me down, it doesn't matter. I'm going to the one who is greater than you. I'm going to the one who is greater than he who is in this world. I'm praying. I'm praying. And so we, church, we we have this call to be priests, this ministry as a royal priesthood to bring others before the throne of God. Now, the question is, some of you guys might be thinking, well, if the person next to me has equal access to the throne of God, then why do I have to be the one to bring them there? Isn't that why we don't need priests? 
can't they just go straight to God himself or herself? And I, I can think about of three people who might need you to, to bring them there. Maybe the person that you should be praying for isn't a believer. And because they don't believe in God, why would they bring themselves to the throne of God? So you could be bring them. Maybe the person that you should be praying for, could be praying for, is a believer, but they're spiritually paralyzed. Has that happened to you? You've gone through stuff, circumstances in your life, and you're just not talking to God right now. You feel spiritually dry or spiritually apathetic because of circumstances in your life. And, and so maybe that person is a believer, but they're just not going to God. You have a, a ministry to bring them before the throne. Or maybe the person you could be praying for is a believer. It's a great believer, growing believer, constantly pouring out. But because they're always praying for others and always serving others and always loving on others, they never stop to think about how do I need to be prayed for? Well, you could be the one to bring them before the throne. Turn with me to Mark chapter 2. I want to show you this. I want to show you that sometimes someone else may experience the power of God based on your prayer of faith. I'll say that again. Someone else may experience the power of God based on your prayer of faith. So Mark chapter 2, Jesus is in town and he's in this house and he's preaching and everybody's flocking. Right, because everybody's hearing about this Jesus guy and all the miracles he's doing and he's healing people. And so they want to find out who this guy is. So they're sitting at his feet. And this house, it says in Mark chapter 2, was packed, so packed with people, including four guys and their paralytic friend, their buddy who's been paralyzed. Mark chapter uh, 2, verse 2 and 3 says this, And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he, Jesus, was preaching the word to them. And they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. Pause right there. So here's this guy who's paralyzed. And we don't know what's going on in his heart. Maybe he's mad at God. Maybe he's given up on life. He, he's never going to walk again. And so maybe he's just given up. Or... It could be that he wants to go see Jesus. Maybe Jesus is his hope, and he realizes that maybe Jesus can make me well. Wherever he's at, wherever his heart is at, the reality is he's not bringing himself to Jesus. He can't. He physically cannot bring himself to Jesus. But thank God for these four friends. Thank God that there's these four friends who realize this guy, Jesus, may be who everyone says he is. If he really is the guy who liberates the leper and delivers the demoniac and cures cancer and calms colds, if he's really that guy, then maybe our buddy who's paralyzed can walk again. And so, so they haul this guy. They, 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 they bring this, this paralyzed buddy all the way to Jesus. But what happens? Mark chapter 2 verse 4 says this. When they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him, and when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. Now imagine this. I, I can just see this scene right now, right? It's so crowded. They can't even get through the door. So what do they do? These, these four dudes, right? These, these knuckleheads go, all right, we're going to the roof. And so they haul this guy. They're just dragging this guy to the roof. And his four friends, Hosea and Tobias and Matthias and Jacob, whatever their names were, they're, they're, they're there. And, and I could just hear them right now. You guys ready? 
we're going to bring this house down. You guys ready to bring this house down? We, we're literally going to tear through this roof. And it says that they began to remove the tile and they began to dig through that hard, packed mud roof. Now, what's that like? Imagine you guys were in the room. You're sitting there as you're sitting here now listening to the preaching. And all of a sudden, there's this scratching and digging and hooing and hawing in the ceiling above you. Like, how bizarre would that be? Like, some of you guys in this section right here, you know what I'm talking about, amen? How many of you guys ever hear that creaking, that creaking that, that goes on every weekend right above you, and you feel like, like, it's hilarious. I'm standing back there sometimes, and when it starts happening, everyone's like, what, what? It sounds like the ceiling's about to cave in, amen? Well, what's going on, just so that you know, is there's a storage facility right above us, and every time a car drives up that ramp and drives right past, that's the creaking that you hear. So the roof shouldn't cave in. Uh, <laughs> it may or may not cave in, uh, but you should be safe. But that's what it is. And if you don't trust me, I have some beautiful seats right here up in front. I'd love to invite you to. But, but that's, that's what it is, and it's distracting. It's distracting, isn't it? When, when all this sound is going on, and that's what it must have been like for those people as they're hearing all this digging. And these four guys, they don't care. They're, they're, they're digging, and they're digging because they got to get their friend to Jesus. How many of you guys remember, I, I grew up when I was growing up and playing in the sandbox, and, and, and we would dig tunnels, right? We'd dig tunnels in the sand, and when I wasn't trying to dig for China, I would, I would try to dig tunnels to, to reach my friend. And so, so my friend, I remember my friend David Lee would be over here, and I'll be here, and we're, we're, we're digging holes, trying to connect to each other. He'll be digging his hole. And do you guys remember as you're digging, you're digging, you're digging, that joy and that exhilaration you feel when you, when you feel it for the first time? Fingers. I feel fingered, right? Like we broke through. That means there was breakthrough and you just go faster and faster until you can fully connect. And that's what it must have been as they're, they're digging and they're digging and they're scratching and all of a sudden breakthrough. Light breaks through that, 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 ceiling, that, that rooftop and all of a sudden there he is. That's, that's Jesus He's right there, and they start going faster. And I'm pretty sure these four guys, they're not waiting till they have this big old nice rectangular opening so that they can gracefully lower him. No, I'm thinking as soon as there's a hole big enough, we're stuffing this guy in. We're shoving this guy through the hole. And this paralytic's like probably like, he's like, no way, Hosea. No way, Tobias. No way, Matthias. And they're like, shut up, boom. And they shove him through that hole. And they stuff them in. And what's it like for us when we look up and all of a sudden there's two feet dangling from the ceiling? Like how bizarre is this getting? And then all of a sudden those two feet become a human being. And there's this guy like dangling from your ceiling. He's just dangling and he's not dead. He's surely alive because he's looking at you and you're looking at him. What's it like for that paralytic? What do you say when everyone's looking at you? What's up? Right? Like, like. <laughs> Like, uh, this is awkward, and the, the, the friends don't care. They just continue to lower him to the very bottom, and I just imagine that body coming down and just, boom, collapsing right there at the feet of Jesus. It says that they dug a hole right above where Jesus was, and there he is. They drop him down right there at the feet of Jesus. Jesus looks up, and there's four faces staring through that hole. What's <laughs> up, Jesus? Right? And, and, and Jesus looks at him, and what's he thinking? This is absolutely crazy. 
No, that's not what he's thinking. Look at what verse 5 says. Mark chapter 2, verse 5. And when Jesus saw their faith, circle that. When Jesus saw their, that word there, circle that, their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Then look at verse 11, it goes on 11 and 12, it says, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all so that they were all amazed and glorified God saying, we never saw anything like this. I I love that. It doesn't say Jesus saw this paralytic at his feet and saw his faith and therefore healed him. It says Jesus saw their faith. Because you believe that I have power to heal and you had enough faith to bring him to my feet because of their faith, you are healed. Get up and walk. Your sins are forgiven. Church, the Lord answers prayer, amen? Amen. And sometimes the Lord's gonna rain down blessing in someone else's life because of your prayer of faith. Sometimes someone else will experience the power of God because of your prayer of faith. Not everybody around you is going to be bringing themselves to the feet of Jesus, but you, church, have an amazing ministry to be his royal priesthood and usher people into the presence of God. You have the power to bring them directly to the throne of grace. So that's, that's the what. You, you are the royal priesthood. And this is the ministry we have. I want to show you now just very practically. Remember we talked about this series. We wanted to get really practical in this series. Just, I want to show you the how. I, I want to give you a few practices on how we can really engage in praying for others. And I'm, I'm going to throw a few out there, and I pray that at least one, you'd make a commitment today to, to commit to at least one of these practices of prayer. Okay, so the first one, practice number one, if you would write this down in your notes, on the spot prayer. On the spot prayer. This past week, I was uh, meeting with a friend over lunch, and you know, every time we, we've met over lunch or coffee, it's always it's substantial, Like, we never meet just to chit-chat or to shoot the breeze. Like, every time, we're pouring out our hearts. And as we were leaving the restaurant, we got up and we're going to leave as usual. But because this message was on my mind, right, I said, hold on, let's pray for each other. And he he was kind of caught off guard. He's like, yeah, let's do it. And, and I realized, it dawned on me that out of all the times we've had lunch and we've done coffee together, we've never prayed for each other on the spot. We've always talked about how we need prayer, and I'm thinking maybe because it always feels awkward, you're in a public place, but that day we said, you know what, let's do this, and right there in that restaurant before everybody else, we brought each other before the throne of God. That's praying for each other on the spot, and, and you, you've probably heard us talk about this here at the church quite often. We talk about it quite often, and we'll keep talking about it, and, and this was an idea that was birthed. Um, in 2014, when, when Pastor Gary and I, we were in Japan, and we were flying back, and somewhere over the Pacific Ocean, we asked the question, what kind of church would we love to see SBCC become? And one of the things that we, we said, and we both agreed on, was we would love to see SBCC become a church full of people who naturally just pray for each other on the spot. That in the lobby, Every weekend after church, there wouldn't be lines formed up 
waiting for the pastor to pray over people, but that there would be huddles all throughout the lobby, groups here, a, 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 a pair here, a huddle over there, people just naturally hearing each other out and saying, hey, can I pray for you? Right? That, that we wouldn't be a church that says, hey, I'll pray for you, but that you'd pray for them right there on the spot. You know, you might have heard it said that the, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. Nobody is, is closer to Jesus or further than Jesus. At the, at the foot of the cross, the ground is level. We all need him equally the same. Well, the same thing is true of the throne of grace. The ground is level at the throne of grace. I mean, Pastor Greg is not more worthy to bring you before the throne of God than Alan is. Pastor Gary is not more worthy to bring you before the throne of God than, than Mark is. We all have equal access to God Almighty. And we all have equal ability to, to usher each other into the presence of God. So when, God, when Peter calls us God's royal priesthood, that puts us all at equal rank when it comes to who here can approach his throne. Can I challenge you, the next time someone shares something with you, maybe, maybe it's in the lobby today, maybe it's uh, in your workplace, maybe it's while you guys are just chatting at your cubicle, or maybe it's in your classroom, and, and they say, oh, I have a surgery coming up, or I have a test coming up. Don't just tell them you'll pray for them. Pray for them. You say, hey, can I pray for you right now? And, and you, you know our hearts, right? We're, we're, we get it. There are going to be times when it's not appropriate to pray right there on the spot, maybe because of the timing or the situation. We get that. But if there's an opportunity, the next time you have an opportunity, someone shares something with you that's worthy of bringing before the throne, would you pray for them right there on the spot? So, so that's the first practice, pray on the spot. But with that being said, I realize this is a reality for many people that a lot of us in here, we don't feel comfortable praying out loud. And I, I totally get that. And so here, here's a second practice. This might be more appropriate for you. Practice number two, text a person a day. Text a prayer a day. And the, the, the truth is, if you're never in the practice of praying for people, you're, you're never going to be in the habit of praying for people. And so one of the ways you can practice if you're not comfortable praying out loud is, Practice sending prayers through text. You may, feel like, you may feel like you're a better writer than you are a speaker. Some, some of you are like, I, I write a lot better than I speak. Well, that's okay. If you text prayers, what you're doing is you are practicing articulating your prayers. You're articulating your heart's desires for this person and, and their requests, and you're bringing them before God. And the more and more you, you text out prayers, the more the better you are at expressing these prayers. And then at some point, it's going to be, you just got to vocalize it. You, you just got to speak it. And so one of the most encouraging things is when a person, I, I can speak for myself, one of the most encouraging things is when I randomly get a text that's sent to me, unsolicited, and someone's lifting me up before the throne of God. For example, I was getting ready to preach, and, and I, I got this text. Right before I was going to go preach, somebody just sent me this. I, I didn't ask for it. I didn't seek it. But it simply said this. Lord, I pray for Greg as he prepares his message. Please guide Greg's thoughts and give him the insight he needs for this weekend. I pray that you would keep him from any distraction and allow him to focus and enjoy this time that he has studying your word. I pray that the service goes smoothly all weekend and that we can come with open hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. And when I got that just randomly, 
Man, I can't even tell you what confidence that gave me. It's almost like me overhearing this prayer with my name, reading my name mentioned and the prayers offered together with my name being lifted before the throne of God. That somebody should think of me and bring me before his throne. A huge boost in confidence. So you could text prayers. In fact, I want us to practice that right now. So everyone, if you have a phone, take out your phone right now. I know everybody's got a phone. So take out your phones right now. You have a phone, smartphone? Okay. <laughs> I'm going to give you guys 60 seconds, okay? I'm going to put a timer up here. And for 60 seconds, just think of one person. They could be in this room. They could be part of this church, or they could be a, a family member in another state. But just think of one person, whoever comes to mind, who, who, who can sure use a prayer. Go ahead and, and text them. I'm going to do it too. We're all going to take 60 seconds. Can we get that timer up? All right. Text them. It doesn't have to be long. It's just got to be sincere and meaningful. All right. Okay, ready? Go. more time to keep texting go ahead and keep texting but I'm willing to bet whoever received your text right now is shocked uh, seriously they're like what in the world like this person just thought of me right now um, I, yesterday when I was preparing this message the Lord laid someone on my heart and so I just randomly texted him a prayer and he texted me right back he said bro I was just praying when I received this text I'm in tears. And this is a guy you don't ever expect to cry. He says, I am li literally in tears. It's amazing when somebody just thinks of you and, and decides, I'm going to pray for you. And so, so here's my challenge. Here, here's, here's the practice I want to challenge you with. Every day when someone comes to mind, anybody comes to mind, God, just put somebody on your heart, on your mind, text them a prayer. Again, it doesn't have to be long or epic. It's, it's just got to be sincere and meaningful. It could be really short, 60 seconds. And just the first person, text them. And, and you only have to do it once a day. If you want to do it multiple times a day, and every time God puts someone on your heart, that's okay too. But text somebody. And I, I, would, I would encourage you to text some, someone different every day. Because right, some of you guys, I know some of you guys are into a girl right now, and so she's constantly on your heart and mind. As awesome as prayer is, don't text her every day. That's creepy, okay? So, so text a different person every day. So those are two practices. Pray on the spot. Text a person a prayer. I, I want to give you one more. I know that this isn't in your notes, but let me just give you one more practice because I can't not talk about this. But practice number three, write this down. Join our Tuesday night Desperate for God prayer meeting. 
Join our Tuesday night Desperate for God program. Amen? Thank you. Why? Because this is honestly, okay, honestly, one of the greatest ways that we can come together as a royal priesthood and lift each other before the throne of God. Tuesday night, 7 p.m. in the Faith Center. We start worship at 7 p.m. Prayer starts at 7.30. But come. And if you can't come every Tuesday, come every other Tuesday. If you can't come every other Tuesday, commit to at least one. If I can get everybody in this church to commit to one Tuesday a month, man, what wonders would it do when, when people are in the habit of praying? And maybe you're thinking, I have life group. I have life group on Tuesdays. Well, can I challenge you to go to your life group and suggest, hey, once, once a month, can we as a life group kind of take a break from our regu- re- regular schedule and let's, let's minister to the church? Let's minister to the church by praying for others and, and bring them before the throne. So I'd love to encourage you guys. I pray that this Tuesday we're going to have at least 50 people at our Tuesday night prayer meeting, because you guys are going to take this to heart, and you're going to come to Tuesday night prayer meeting. And I, and I could go on and on and on about what has happened and what has come out from our Tuesday night prayer meetings. Besides the deep relationships that I've seen formed, and it's amazing, it doesn't matter color, age, gender, generation, I've seen deep relationships form, sometimes amongst the most opposite people. I've seen accountability relationships form. I've seen fruit in our church as a whole. The way our our church has grown, it has been amazing. And I attribute so much of it to the prayers that take place on Tuesday night. Some of you guys are experiencing the fruit of, of prayers you didn't know were being lifted up at Tuesday night. But I will testify to, to, to the fact that I have seen people bring each other before the throne of grace. People ushering each other before the holy of holies. I had like three or four stories I wanted to share. I didn't know which one to pick, but let me just share this. I'll share with you. One Tuesday night, we had a young wife raise her hand. And I was quite surprised at how bold she was. She raised her hand and she shared with everybody there. She said, I've had three miscarriages. Would you guys pray for my husband and I to, to, to have a child? We've been trying and trying and trying. Would you just pray that, that I get pregnant? And then right after that, another young wife raises her hand and she says, she says, me too, me too. My husband and I, we've been trying like forever and we just haven't been successful. Would you pray that we get pregnant as well? Well, within a few months of each other, that year, they got pregnant. <laughs> and, 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 and I know that the Tuesday night prayer meeting, we weren't the only ones praying for them. They had their life groups praying for them, and they had friends and close friends praying for them. And, but, but that's the point. People were praying for them. People were bringing them before, before the throne. And I just found this out on Friday. I didn't know this. But that night, those two wives actually got together and brought each other before the throne and prayed over each other. In fact, if you were here last week at 11 a.m. service, we dedicated baby Cassidy. This was the fruit of prayers lifted before the throne. This was last Sunday. The other family, they had to move and relocate because of work, but here was the last post she put up on her Instagram before she left. She said, thank you, Jesus, for my beautiful prayer warrior family. Hebrews 11, verse 1, and that's a picture of our Tuesday night prayer meeting. That's her, her husband, and her baby in the front row. They, she censored the baby's face. But, but listen to my heart, okay? I'm not, saying, I'm not saying that if you come to prayer meeting, you'll get whatever you ask for. That's not what I'm saying. 
That if you pray for a baby, you'll get a baby. If you pray for a husband, you'll get a husband. I'm not saying that. Because God knows what is good and perfect according to his will. And not everything we ask for is good and perfect according to his will. But what I'm saying is come and watch what the Lord can do. Come and see what God Almighty can do when we just come before his throne seeking mercy, seeking grace, and seeking help. Last week, Pastor Gary said, stand still and watch this great thing that God's about to do. You know what you could do while you're standing still? You could pray standing still. And so come and watch what Almighty God will do. So whether it's praying on the spot, whether it's texting a prayer, whether it's coming to Tuesday night prayer meeting, would you practice prayer for other people? Would you live out your calling as God's royal priesthood and let's usher people before the very presence of Almighty God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Would you guys join me in a word of prayer? And so, Lord, we thank you so much that you have given us this amazing privilege to know you personally, directly, because of what Christ has done on the cross for us. God, thank you so much for his sacrifice that's been done once and for all. And God, we know that that doesn't just bless us because we have direct access, but now we, we get to bring people with us and we can lay them before your feet. So God, help us to be people who don't only pray, but that we're people who pray for each other. That we're people who constantly pray for others who are in need. I, I pray that as we continue to engage our faith, Lord, that this would be one area in which we just get really good at. And Lord, I pray that you would show us what happens when we do so, God. Continue to move and shake the mountains, God. Continue to to blow our minds and amaze us with what you can do when we simply pray. So God, thank you so much. We love you and we worship you. And it's in Jesus' name, amen.